Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyday Theology, where we connect theological truths to the everyday believer. I'm your host, Ben Campbell, and thanks so much for joining us for another episode. Up until this point, for the last several episodes, we've been talking about the pastor's personal life, how he spends his time in his office, how he prays, how he takes days off. But now what I'd like to do is change tones a little bit and talk about what I would like to call expository preparation. That is, how should the pastor prepare for a sermon with the lens or through the lens of soul care? You see, the primary spiritual disciplines, that is Bible intake, prayer, meditation, they are biblically warranted practices. But I think there are other disciplines in the life of the pastor that must be typified for the pastor to prepare to preach. You see, I think preparing oneself to preach is most definitely a spiritual priority because the ill-prepared preacher is not only lackadaisical in his sermon preparation, but is also in danger spiritually from lacking to discipline himself for godliness. Thus, both spiritual and homiletical preparation is necessary for two main reasons. The first reason is that both spiritual and homiletical preparation correlate with the pastor's soul. In his work, Edwards on the Christian Life, Dane Ortland declares that Jonathan Edwards expressed the soul as active, not passive. In other words, Edwards summarizes one's soul as the human itself, not merely one part of the human. And of course, this is not only demarcated in Edwards' writings, but also in other great theologians as well. And so when a pastor prepares his soul for the task of preaching, he disciplines himself by the spiritual practices warranted from the Word of God. Nevertheless, when a pastor is pursuing the construction of his sermon through hermeneutical techniques, he is also disciplining himself for godliness by using his skill set to prepare his sermon adequately. And a second reason is because sermon preparation should be an outflow of the pastor's soul care. Ultimately, and apart from Scripture itself, the spiritual life of the pastor should be the source from which the sermon obtains its content. Of course, this is not indicative that pastors must only preach their Bible reading plans each year. But instead, what I'm trying to say is that the vitality of the pastor's spiritual life should permeate the content of their sermons. In other words, grace received always results in grace given. Therefore, a pastor's sermon preparation is to be an overflow of his spiritual life because it transfers the truths of Holy Scripture from his heart to the heart of the congregation. Joel Beakey writes that preaching often grows out of the preacher's own experience of Christ in the midst of his sorrows and sins. And what Beakey is indicating here is that the pastor's own life experiences should fuel his preaching. Thus, a pastor's ministry is to be an overflow of his spirituality. And so what I want to do is examine disciplines regarding the pastor's sermon preparation over the next few episodes. So what exactly are then the disciplines of what, again, what I would call expository preparation? Well, I think pastors need not only focus on the spiritual nature of sermon preparation, 
I think we also must not neglect the homiletical characteristics of sermon composition. And so these disciplines do not fall under the category of spiritual disciplines, but they are, however, disciplines of which pastors must prioritize in order to prepare their sermons for the glory of God. And so, over the next few episodes, I would like to demonstrate or uh, propose to you nine different disciplines for the pastor to apply in his method of preparing sermons. And, of course, we start with the first discipline, and that is submission to Christ in the preparation of sermons. As we have noted in a few other episodes, the pastor is first a believer, and because of this, A pastor's vocational undertakings begin with his submission to Christ. In other words, what pastors devote themselves to is what will be made manifest through their lifestyle and conduct. This is a perspective uh, that pastors must understand. Their values and their beliefs dictate how they live and what they do. Therefore, the pastor's submission to Christ must be of first importance because how pastors act are the results of what they value, to whom and to what they are loyal, and what they believe. So pastors must do as Jim Shaddix recommends. They must never lose God in the sermon preparation process. Losing God in one's sermon preparation, I think, is the result of a lack of of submission to Him. Eugene Peterson declares, God does not change. He seeks and saves. We listen and follow. And so if a pastor begins his preparation faithfully and thoroughly, he begins in submission to Jesus Christ. Jesus entreats all people, especially pastors, to come to him and to find rest. And so submission to Christ is not only resulting from respect and reverence and awe and worship, although all of these are included in as much. Submission to Christ also comes when we cast our cares at His feet to find our identity and our rest in Him. Charles Bridges explains that for ministers to be involved in such a spiritual task, that is, pastoral ministry, they must possess spiritual character to administrate such duties. And so pastors must submit themselves entirely to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of their faith, as Hebrews 12.2 tells us. And the pastor's faith, of course, is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ through a pastor's submission to him. So the question of how to submit to Christ, I think, needs to be addressed. The pastor's spiritual life is based solely on his union with Christ. Therefore, the pastor must actualize his spiritual life in two ways. First, submission to Christ involves devotion. God desires for us to know Him. And so it is not possible to know God if one is not devoted to God. You see, knowledge of God does not come from sporadic interaction with His Word, nor does it come from one's own experience or reason. Knowledge of God comes from one's own absorption and immersion of God's Word. Second, Submission to Christ means forsaking all sinful activity in one's life. You see, oftentimes human beings define themselves in ways that are at odds with Scripture and the way that Scripture defines them. In the words of David Wells, Americans, as we have seen, do not believe in original sin. Otherwise, 
humanity often discovers that sinfulness is the problem that keeps all believers from submitting their entire selves to Christ. The Apostle James tells us to submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so when submission to God is a foremost priority, one finds a new perspective on life. When submission to God is the essential facet of the pastor's life, nothing else is of any value, for God becomes all that he values. Thus, when God becomes all that the pastor values, his life is marked by the overflow of such values. Hence, submission to Christ is the first and necessary step to disciplining one's self for expository preparation. Preparing one's soul to preach begins with Christ, but it also extends to actions resulting from one's devotion to the Lord Jesus himself. A second discipline in expository preparation is prayer in the preparation of sermons. Now, the most critical element for the preparation of sermons is the pastor's prayer. Now, this section here is really going to address the importance of prayer and its nature in the pastor's sermon preparation and construction. Spurgeon notes that if a pastor prays with any other attitude other than an ordinary Christian, he is a hypocrite. In other words, pastors are to pray as ordinary people because that's who they are. And the most elemental purpose of this ordinary type of prayer is to understand the necessity of utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus as we prepare to preach. You see, preaching, though done through human effort, is never done only by human effort, but by divine empowerment. And so pastors ought to outperform every person in their church through prayer. Hence, prayer is not merely an act of devotion. It is, as one person notes, the Christian's vital breath and native air. You see, prayer is more than an act of mere devotion or spiritual habit. It is the most vital element of any believer's life, and it should be the most vital element of the pastor's life. Prayer is petitionary, it's intercessory, it's communicative, and most importantly, it's indispensable for all people who claim to be in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, as they prepare to preach, pastors must be people of prayer. The preparation of sermons, following the care of the pastor's soul, must be bathed in prayer. Spurgeon taught this. He taught that the prayer closet is the best place for study because the author of Scripture is the most profitable teacher, even better than those who comment on such truth. In other words, pastors must not neglect prayer as they prepare their souls and sermons. Luther was busy and still prayed. So can we. And so if pastors, through their submission to Christ, are dependent upon Christ for their strength to preach, they will understand that the power of Christ living within them is the only means through which ministerial accomplishments are made manifest. Joel Beakey looks back in time to the Puritan theologian Thomas Boston, who advises that if pastors want to follow Jesus' examples to be fishers of men, they must first follow his example of much prayer. And so pastors must be on their knees in prayer long before they engage in the duties of pastoral ministry. It's the attitude of Jesus, and it must also be the attitude of pastors. And so prayer is more than mere communication between you and God. It is, as one commentator notes, a relationship which cultivates an awareness of the presence of the Heavenly Father. Nevertheless, an awareness of the presence of God during prayer 
should lead the pastor to devote himself to the Lord through profoundly thinking about the truths of God's Word. And this, of course, introduces the third discipline of expository preparation, and that is scriptural meditation in the preparation of sermons. Now, meditation is another discipline that must manifest itself in the life of a pastor in his sermon preparation. Charles Bridges states, It is important also to cultivate this habit in the bent of our own work. That is, that a preacher should think as a preacher, marking everything like any other man of business with the eyes of his own profession. I think to think like a preacher, as Bridges would suggest, is to consider what biblical meditation is and then apply these types of habits to your life. So the definition of biblical meditation comes best, I think, from the prophecy of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, which says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and then your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Of course, this is not a literal interpretation of Jeremiah literally eating the scroll on which he writes. Instead, it's metaphorical. It's a metaf metaphorical situation of someone consuming physical nourishment. Calvin writes that biblical meditation in the life of a believer is what yields the best and sweetest fruit spiritually. And so the question then is how pastors meditate on the scriptures and how that meditation will produce the best and sweetest fruit. I think we have two considerations for such a question. First, I think meditation is necessary for sermon preparation because it prompts the pastor to indulge his mind and heart in the Word of God. You see, meditation begins with the pastor's pursuit of Christ through submission to Christ and prayer, but then it also extends to the pastor's consumption of the Word of God. And a desire for the Word of God is necessary for ministry, but it's also necessary for the preparation of sermons. And this is exactly what Paul meant when he writes in 1 Corinthians 2 that we are to know nothing more among us except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, the content of our preaching is to be nothing more than Christ Jesus and His crucifixion to save the world from sin. Robert Pick really notes that this is the only topic worthy of emphasis in Paul's preaching, and that must be the case in every pastor's preparation. So a pastor only knows and emphasizes Christ and Him crucified when he is engrossed in the Word of God because it is the sole means through which pastors can know Christ Jesus. The Word of God is also how our minds are challenged and shaped to think biblically. And so pastors must actively be pursuing knowledge of the truth that can only be found in God's Word because God's Word is the only foundation for our ministry. Second, after immersing oneself in the Word of God, a pastor must internalize the truth in which he finds. You see, biblical meditation is not actually achieved unless the truths are considered and internalized and lived out. In summarizing the spirituality of Leroy Fourlines, Barry Raper notes that little familiarity with truth does not sanctify one's life, but he says, truth must be understood by the mind embraced by the heart, and obeyed in life. In other words, the way the Bible is lived out is through the means of meditation. You see, meditation leads to an internalized faith 
that then characterizes itself through the life of an individual. Therefore, pastors must probe the text, as John Stott recommends, like a bee with spring blossom, a hummingbird and nectar, a dog with a bone, and a cow chewing his cud. Therefore, meditation, then, is, is more than merely reading and rereading a text, because anybody can read a text and, and really gain nothing from it. Instead, meditation is the internalization of the Word of God in the life and ministry of the pastor, so that when he preaches Christ, lives can be changed by divine power. But that internalization, however, cannot be undertaken unless the pastor has a specific time and method for Bible intake. And that is the fourth discipline of expository preparation, Bible intake and the preparation of sermons. The pastor must be consciously aware of his Bible intake because it is the source in which he attains godliness. And one cannot attain godliness unless he knows God through his word. So the pastor must be consistently engaging with the biblical text to know God. Hosea writes that he desires the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, burnt offerings in the Old Testament, uh, according to one commentator, were heartless sacrifices from the children of Israel in place of faithful obedience. So what we're saying here is that God delights in His children faithfully obeying Him rather than them offering up burnt offering-like actions out of mere obligation. The psalmist echoes the same idea in Psalm 147. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him in those who hope in his steadfast love. So those who truly fear God will obey him out of a reverence and awe, and they're going to seek to know him rather than do merely what is commanded in Scripture. And pastors must look unto the Lord for godliness and growth that one achieves through faithful obedience. The pastor's Bible intake, in specific regard to his sermon preparation, then plays an intricate role as well. Uh, Jim Shaddix and Jerry Vines proffer that preaching is not a sermonic option, but it is a sacred obligation because God has spoken through His Word. Therefore, we must, pres we must preserve the spoken Word of God that is contained in our Bibles so pastors might proclaim it correctly to those who listen. And without the foundation of Holy Scripture, pastors have no basis for proclaiming the Lord Jesus to their congregates correctly. So, a consistent Bible intake is necessary. The only content worth sharing in a sermon is the Word of God because it is sufficient to change hearts, and this is because it is God's authoritative Word that is inerrant and infallible. Thus, the preacher must impregnate his sermons with the content of the Word of God because the Word alone is powerful to save sinners. Unless the sermon is full of the Word of God, it's really not a sermon at all. Spurgeon posits that if pastors would give their people the complete, raw truth of scriptures, their fruit will soon be actualized because pastors are faithfully shepherding the flock of which they have been entrusted. Thanks for joining us for another episode. For more information, go to bencampbellonline.com slash podcast. 